Yo, I know you guys are tired of me saying this, but if you could go over to iTunes and give us a, a little review, a little uh, five-star, hopefully, if you like the content, the reviews really help the podcast a bunch, Keeps gets them, gets them uh, higher up on iTunes, all that, all that good stuff, gets more people's ears to the podcast. So if you could follow me on Instagram, at Average Joe's Beer Podcast, you can get me at Untapped and Twitter, at JoeBob41, J-O-E-B-O-B-41, and then please go uh, like and follow and review the Facebook page as well. Uh, a lot of content on there. Uh, this was this was a super badass episode. It was something that uh, was put together by Amanda over at, over at Workforce, so her and Brando, they went out of their way to get this brewers panel started for chicago brew works and it was awesome so you're not freaking out it starts kind of randomly with amanda uh intros us so uh i didn't hit the record button until amanda was done with her first few sentences so uh, don't don't think you started in the wrong place but you'll hear amanda kind of introduce us and then you're going to hear from all about adjunct stouts from brandon wright at workforce brandon bambury at uh at Hailstorm and Sean over at Moore, Sean Burns over at Moore Brewing. It was one of the best nights I've ever had in the beer world. It was so great. Uh, they all brought an example of their adjunct stout. Brando released uh, on tap his German chocolate cake early, the Sleepy Bear, which was fucking amazing. And then we had B.A. Vlad on tap. Sean brought a bunch of uh, bottles of henna to pass around and some of his other recent releases. It was one of the coolest nights. Uh, hopefully we'll do it again soon on another topic, maybe New England IPAs, maybe a different set of brewers come in the house. And uh, It was a really cool live event, and I think everybody that was there was really glad that they showed up. Uh, and next time I feel like it's going to double the attendance just from hearing the stories from that one. So we recorded it as an, as an episode of Average Joe's Above Average Beer Podcast. So for all you home brewers and you folks wanting to get educated and just beer fans in general, uh, it's going to be a cool episode for everybody. So I'll stop babbling. And here is the Brewers panel at uh, Chicago Brew Works featuring Sean, Brandon, and Brandon from uh, Moore, Hailstorm, and Workforce. <laughs> the big spearhead to that program. We also have homebrew classes and all that fun stuff that you guys probably all know about, but we, um, we've had White Labs in, we've had Tom Corder from Penrose talk about barrel aging beers. Um, so we're gonna continue these Tech Talks quarterly, so be on the lookout. We have one with Omega coming up soon. Um, we're super excited to invite our brewers here tonight for our first podcast with, uh, we're thankful of Joe from Average Joe's Beer Podcast of uh, recording this for us tonight and having you guys all here to join us. So I just wanted to welcome Brando from Workforce Brewing Company. I know Sean, that. Sean, Sean from Moore Brewing Company. And Brandon from Hailstorm Brewing Company. Uh, so thanks again for coming out, and be tuned for our next Tech Talk in a couple um, months, and I'll just let these guys take over. No pressure. No pressure. Oh, God. So thank you, guys. This is uh, the biggest audience we've definitely ever had for a live podcast recording, and the first time I've been joined by, like, uh, the Avengers of Adjunct Stouts. So, <laughs> so I'm guessing you guys are all here because you've probably tasted some of their beers. Yeah? Some of their Adjunct Stouts. Yeah. So... 
we're gonna we're gonna kind of go through and just have a little discussion about it. We do have some questions that I have uh, from emails that people have sent over the last couple of weeks here about uh, adjunct styles, obviously. But uh, we'll pull some of those up and we'll try to get uh, get some of those questions in. So uh, anybody want to start? Like, why the hell do you guys make adjunct stouts? That seems silly. Because people buy them. Oh, yeah. Did you hear that? Because people buy them. That's why he makes them. It's not about the passion of the beer, guys. It's about because <laughs> you guys buy them. Um, okay, so I feel like we should start with you guys have an adjunct stout that came out today, right, Brandon, uh, from Hailstorm and Microphone, right? Yeah, so we brewed it at Microphone, but it came out today. Okay, and what was that? It was a... Uh, it's almost like he's embarrassed to say it. Say it. It's funny. Say it. It's a, uh, Just say it. Hot chicken and waffle beer. Did anybody go to microphone today and get hot chicken and waffle beers? No? That's a shame. <laughs> All the way down the plane. How much chicken went in it? 30 pounds of fried chicken. <laughs> 30 pounds. And how much of that chicken did Steve eat while you were making it? <laughs> well, we all ate quite a bit of Five fried of chicken those that pounds. day. <laughs> yeah, because beer's not fattening enough, right? So, uh, so let's let's start from uh, I don't know. Let's start from the beginning. Like, you guys have brewed stouts for you know since you guys started homebrewing. I'm guessing, right? So, is it weird now? Like, what's going on into adjunct stouts, or is it? I mean, is it, I don't think it's uh, weird. I think uh, it's hard to differentiate, and and on a consumer basis, it's hard hard to differentiate one brewer from the next because uh, I think a lot of us are 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 brewing similar uh, uh, stouts in that regard. So even even with hops, when you talk about like New England IPAs, like something has to stand out. So you, what hops are you doing it with or what uh, adjunct are you using? It kind of makes your beer stand out and how you're using it. But I mean, it feels like you guys just have to get crazier and crazier, like chicken and waffles and hot sauce. Was that totally inspired by going to the convention, by the way? Absolutely. Do <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, you guys all like follow them on Instagram and Facebook and stuff? All you guys, like all the different brewers, like I follow everybody and everything I saw, they were at like Hattie B's in Nashville for the convention. Everybody's eating hot chicken. And I heard a lot of toilet stories after that. <laughs> no? Am I wrong about this? Oh, yeah. Nobody, nobody wants to admit anything. <laughs> so do you guys want to go deep here? I mean, I'm, there's a lot of home brewers, I'm guessing, in this, in this crowd that are like probably wondering, you know, like how and what. I'm not asking you guys to divulge trade secrets, but, but <laughs> they are. All right, let's they do are. it. <laughs> so, so, Brando, you got, you got uh, your, your German chocolate cake, which is on tab right now, but not actually releasing until Saturday. So if you didn't know that, it's go tasty. back there and get it's it. It's really good. Um, that beer tastes like chocolate cake. Uh, there's yeah. a lot of vanilla coming through on it too, I feel like. So so what is, what is your aim when you brew a beer like this? Right, so so I've been brewing for 14 years. You know, started as home brewer as everybody else. Obviously, you know, Chicago Brew Works and how we've kind of come into the industry. So throughout, like even as a home brewer, I always like to use all sorts of adjuncts in all my stouts, whether it was vanilla beans or, you know, throwing lactose or maltodextrin or whatever. Um, so the Sleepy Bear line is about four years old. Uh, it was one of the first beers that we brewed. We started Workforce Brewing Company, and it was kind of, out of all the stouts that I brew, it was one of those beers that we wanted to throw, like, all sorts of different layered malts into from a grain bill perspective. So um, kind of being a homebrew shop owner, I had the luxury of walking up and down an aisle and going, this looks good and this looks good and like let's tweak this and 
and throw all this in. And then you start adding in the, all these adjuncts. So for the German chocolate cake version of, of what we do, um, and you can also always pull Sleepy Bear. We share our recipe. It's on our recipe building database uh, that's on our website. So you can brew that beer. And then for as far as the adjuncts went, um, it was pecans, fresh roasted pecans that we purchased. So we use nuts.com uh, for a lot of stuff, which actually Brandon uh, turned me on to which is really nice too, and, and Steve used a ton, as, as well as the coconut. Um, for some of our beers, we like to infuse single kegs with adjuncts to kind of give that fresh flavor like at the tap. Others we do for package, that's going into a fermenter. And for that, we use uh, nuts.com to um, use the toasted coconut, which is really nice. It's a sweetened. Uh, toasted coconut so when you throw that in your fermenter you got to let that ferment out a little bit and then uh, vanilla beans uh, Madagascar vanilla beans which we then pureed and we purged with some co2 we actually um, took the vanilla beans uh, pureed them all up into a slurry with distilled water and then uh, added purged mason jars with co2 and then we would shake the mason jars to uh, take any oxygen that was introduced during aeration of the um, grinding up the vanilla beans and then we would dose that into the fermenter um, we used pecans and then we also used a little bit of pecan extract because pecan is really hard to get that flavor to incorporate so we use an all-natural pecan extract that so there's no artificial flavors at all and you get that like little bit of like nuttiness uh, at that end uh, but lots of coconut, a shit ton of coconut. And then we all actually the coconut. added a ton of coconut and we took all the coconut out, transferred the beer into another uh, tank. We were all tasting it one day and we were like, shit, not enough coconut. So we ordered another 75 pounds coconut uh, and put That's that it. into 10 barrels of beer. Does, do adjuncts now, it's just, I mean, just hearing you describe what you just did there is like, how... How expensive does that get when when it comes to ordering all these extra pieces? I mean, you're used to brewing a Russian Imperial Stout. I mean, it's a shit ton of grain, I'm sure, right off the bat anyway. It's but really fucking expensive. <laughs> <laughs> vanilla vanilla is like $500 a pound right now because there's a huge vanilla shortage. Um, it's due to the fact that, like, all these big companies like Nestle and stuff are going to, like, all natural now. So they're buying up vanilla, and so there's a huge shortage worldwide of natural vanilla. So yeah, it's like $500 a pound for beans. Good lord. And Buy stock in vanilla companies. And breweries yep. as well. Yeah. 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 Adjunct breweries. Adjunct, adjunct only breweries. adjunct breweries. Is there, are there holdouts right now? I mean, you guys know just about everybody in the Chicagoland brewery industry between the three of you guys. Like, are there holdouts that are like, I don't do pastry stouts or adjunct stuff like that, I mean? Oh yeah. Well, there's oh, definitely oh, yeah. some. Really? I mean, oh yeah, like I've, coffee's an adjunct, right? I mean, that's yeah, like that's that's a commonly used by everybody. I feel like, but well, certain brewers love to be traditionalists too, which yeah. there's no problem with that. Uh, I mean, every time I think I'm not any asking of us you to are, hate on anybody. Or no, anything. no, no. Think, of, think of like like Dovetail or Metro. They yeah, that was like, my first, yeah Dovetail. God, but they don't do stouts lockers. in general. I mean, no. they don't do like a regular stout either. <laughs> no, no, right. but they yeah, they're real traditional. No, no adjuncts. Other than maybe fruit, but oh yeah, that creek they just did was awesome. But yeah, sorry, that's besides the point. Um, Sean, you yes. have had some success with your adjunct game. Um, yeah. 
So how did how did like henna even start? I mean, was that was that like I just brewed this stout? Was this one when you were at the Ram? Uh, yeah, this all started back in the day at Ram. Uh, kind of just carried over, but but uh, no, I, I have I've always looked at like the big. I've always tried to brew uh, a base imperial stout that was uh, heavy enough to act as almost like a truffle, and then that's actually where I get most of my ideas is just looking literally at truffles uh, and then figuring out what flavors could kind of go well with uh, chocolate, which is usually a lot of flavors. So I get lucky in, the, in that sense where I can I can get to, to play around and then find some sort of balance between the cocoa nibs and whatever other ingredient I'm using. Uh, we I finally actually just released the first, I think the first, could be wrong, uh, first stout that uh, didn't have any cocoa nibs which was the vanilla caviar uh i put the base on tap a couple times back at ram but uh the first time that we released a non-cocoa nibbed imperial stat was the vanilla caviar i still have a bottle uh, but i haven't opened yet i'm very excited about that yeah um so you're talking about uh these these adjunct styles i mean we talked about pricing wise and all that stuff it's crazy but the techniques i mean are the techniques the same are you treating this the same way you treat a russian imperial stout as a as kind of like an outsider not no. a big home brewer like i'm always curious as to and i get questions from other people too doing the podcast is like what when do you add this stuff like are, is it whole bean is it ground is it extra well, you know coarse bean coffee is like when is the chocolate going when is well, the, the, the coconut first off uh, Russian Imperial Stouts aren't popular anymore. Uh, true Russian Imperial Stouts are just not popular true. anymore. Uh, they've turned uh, completely around as far as, like, yes, they're big, uh, thick, but even thicker uh, than Russian Imperial Stouts. They're, they're way sweeter, uh, super high gravity, super high finishing gravity, uh, way more emphasis on, on the sweet malts, so crystals and uh, chocolate malts. Um, and then just body in general. So if you're using adjuncts like oats or wheat or whatnot, um, that's that's the first huge differentiation right now like that I see uh, that's happened in the last f four years, four or five years uh, that's, that's kind of swung around where, where you're not after, in many ways, just like, I, I hate to keep comparing the two, but it's very similar. Uh, you know, hazy IPAs now, more about the, the juiciness and the sweetness of the beer versus uh, Again, five years ago, it was all about who can hit 120 IBUs, who can hit 100 IBUs. It was the IBU race, you know, uh, hop stupid, uh, stuff like that, where, where you're literally advertising how bitter the beer is. If you did that nowadays, you wouldn't sell a drop. Uh, so same thing goes with stout. Uh, no one wants roasty uh, black coffee notes, per se, in, this guy in, does. in their beer. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. how dare yeah. you? Uh, but but they're just not they're not what's selling. It goes back to your first question, and and Brandon's answer is is they sell. Uh, that's what that's what their market went, and and we're kind of just making sure that we follow that. But uh, yeah, so well, you say that though, go. but you guys like to drink them too, right? I mean, obviously you don't like to drink them at a festival for twelve hours. No, uh, you know, <laughs> no. But, but you guys like drinking them too, right? They're fun. Right? They're fun to play with, and they're fun to brew. Uh, I know they're not hot beers, but man, they're, like, <laughs> they're definitely they're not. They're still hot beers. solid. Uh, uh, it could, yeah, I don't know. They're fun to drink, but 
in small doses, right? Small so doses. Like 22-ounce bombers? Yeah. <laughs> small doses. Like 10-ounce glasses. I think, though, a 22-ounce bomber, the reason behind that is to share it with friends. 100%. That, that's, you're not going to sit down. Hey, if you want to crush a 22-ounce bomber of a 14% flat, like, absolutely go ahead. It's all, yeah, <laughs> we won't not? judge you. Um, but but that's, that's the point of putting a large format bottle for a you know, pastry stout, big stout, or all these high adjunct stouts and mm-hmm. imperial stouts is you, you want to bring it somewhere. You want to share it with friends. You want to have a good time with it. You're not going to sit down and drink three or four. It's, you know, you have one, and, hey, move on to the next. So, Yeah, it's a novelty for a lot of these beers. You know, there's all kinds of different stuff going on. You know, you don't want to sit down and drink a pint of hot chicken beer maybe. You know, I mean, you want to. Don't you or don't you threaten me with a good time? Maybe That's four to eight ounces. Yeah. This is this is a cool beer. It tastes great, but I don't want to drink, you know, a pint. It, it's but a it, they're they're pastry stouts. They're they're meant to be like desserts. They're small dosages. You don't need a, a huge plate. You don't need a, a ten ounce piece of you know chocolate cake in front of you. You get happy with a couple bites. It's the same same sort of. It's literally the same. Same type of scenario. Well, I think it follows a lot of the, you know, you're talking about trends and stuff. It follows, like, what this industry is right now. Most of us prefer, you know, to pull out our big bottle for the share, you know, to have, or or just to go over to a friend's house and share it. Like, you're not, you're very rarely opening a stout by yourself when it, you know, unless you have a 12 ounce bottle of KBS sitting around or something, maybe, maybe that. But, but for the most part, I'm guessing all of you guys barely drink your stouts by yourself when it comes to these big pastry stouts. Um, we, let's go a little deeper on like uh, technique and stuff. And, and not technique. I guess I guess some of the finer points of it. Like, <laughs> I mean, all, your guys' brew houses. Are, are you guys all pretty similar in size right now? Or who, who's who's the? Yeah, who's we're got the ten big? and fifteen. Ten, ten, fifteen. Fifteen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ten, ten, and fifteen. Two, so two so how does that change your approach? Uh, your your brew house size. I mean, to these these beers. I mean, it's like we talked about. It's expensive. There's a shit ton of grain going into it. There's a shit ton of, well, I've seen some guy, one guy, I won't name any names up here, toast marshmallows by hand out and behind wherever he can and makes a s'more stout. It was an mm. excellent idea, by the way. What was it, Stupid Sticky Fingers? Is that the name of it? That was Stupid Sticky Fingers. <laughs> uh, we did 30 pounds of marshmallows that we roasted over an open campfire. That was a collaboration with Rocky Reef. Um, the base beer is gone. We do have some sitting in barrels, which is nice, but... Uh, you know, the, the concern we had with that, which was a new thing to us, was roasting over an open fire and getting too much smoke as well as ashiness, you know, how, and it was a, a new thing for us. So um, we did it up at Rocky Reef first, and we used them as a guinea pig. Why not? You know, we're on vacation. We're like, hey, let's do this. Shout out um, to Tyler, by the way. He's awesome. Yep. He's great. Uh, and his wife, uh, Christy, they're, they're awesome. But... Um, so there we used 30 pounds of marshmallows and we roasted like 10 of the pounds i think 10 or 10 or 15 pounds uh which took a while you know we had all sorts of sticks going on is that just straight guesstimation like you're just like i guess we'll do like we'll roast 10 and maybe or like like what kind of science goes into that thought process so the best way to equate that to is like a chef right so a good chef when they work with ingredients, um, you know what salt does, you know what paprika does, you know what oregano does. So when you, if you put a chef in, throw in these ingredients, 
they're going to make this meal, and they know not to put too much salt in or too much paprika because they want that kind of combo to blend together. Uh, so it's the same thing that we took away with this, is that as we're brewing this beer, you know, 14 years of experience of looking at beer, never having to burn one over an open fire, it's kind of a unique experience of, all right, well, that's a lot of crispy marshmallows. Let's not overdo it so that we get any ashiness in the beer. So once we produced the one up at Rocky Reef, we tasted that, and they were actually traveling down to Illinois, so we were gonna do that here. We had the brew day set, and we were gonna do the exact same beer, same everything, but kind of the two takes on each brewery. So at our brewery, we thought that, that the smokiness of the fire didn't come through <laughs> as much um, as we had thought it would. So we were like, fuck it, let's roast more. And that's exactly what we did. So we stood out there and I think we roasted almost the whole 30 pounds of, uh, <laughs> of marshmallows, which was cool. Uh, and then graham cracker in the mash. So that was 50 or 60 pounds of, um, we did crushed graham cracker. Uh, we bought from a supplier, food, food supplier. It was a, sometimes that's a little bit easier to get in a bulk quantity than going to Meyer and buying graham crackers that they're with a mallet. There's nothing wrong that's an awesome way to do it but when you're doing 10 barrels of it you're like oh, i'm not crushing 100 <laughs> you know pounds 50 60 pounds of graham crackers that's a good segue and my, my next thought was like can you guys how do you translate that to like the guy sitting in the audience right now that wants to brew his like five gallon ten gallon batch of this you know of some sort of adjunct stout it's pretty easy i think from the standpoint of the quantity of ingredients you have to purchase, right? So you can go to Meyer or Jewel or any local supermarket and get, you know, your brown sugar and your uh, graham crackers and your marshmallows. Like our marshmallows actually were purchased from Meyer. Uh, we bought them out of marshmallows to roast over a fire. So it's it's easy to do. Um, the thing is, experiment. That's what all that we're doing uh, with our adjunct stouts. We have kind of a formula that we have learned for our size, but on a 10 barrel size, uh, what we do isn't gonna scale directly from five gallons or 10 gallons or 15 gallons. So play around with it. Uh, you know, two or three pounds of graham cracker in a 10 gallon batch is gonna be great. And for us to scale that up and then do like 200 pounds of graham cracker in our mash might be over the top. So because those flavors and that cinnamon and certain things that are in that are so intense that on the scalability factor, you don't have to use as much on the five or 10 gallon batch size. And it all comes down to what's your personal taste, just like every chef, right? You go to, chef could cook the same chicken scallopini or whatever, chicken Vesuvio so in every fancy. restaurant. What is scallopini, yeah. shrimp scallopini, whatever it is. Hey, scallopini. But it's going to be different in every restaurant because of the taste of the chef, <laughs> right? And you're a brewer, so it should be different for each home brewery as well. Um, and that just depends. Do you want to put three pounds of marshmallows in or bucket? Do you want to put 10 pounds of marshmallows in a 10-gallon batch? Like <laughs> you guys decide. If you like your vanilla, you know, go for it. When, Do you when, want to spend $500 of vanilla or 1000 for five <laughs> gallons? Go when for I'm, it. When I'm adding stuff to a beer, um, I always think of it on a, like a pound per barrel basis. So a lot of stuff, like almost everything is like somewhere between a half pound per barrel and five pounds per barrel, um, which is a pretty big range. But 
I just think of like the intensity of the flavor. So like raspberries is a real intense flavor. So some somewhere around a pound per barrel, whereas like peaches are a very subtle flavor. I would maybe, you know, scale that way up to like five pounds per barrel um, when I'm, you know, adding anything to to a beer. Adjunct, son. <laughs> no, you guys, you guys all, you know, have have had to deal with, you know, it, it's great. You 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 grew up brewing. You know, you, you started home brewing. You you open breweries or you you work for a brewery making these huge batches, and now you're now you're on this level that when you guys put up a post or plan on releasing an adjunct stout people's ears perk up and the internet goes nuts like how do you guys deal with that separately you know as hailstorm more and, and workforce uh it feels like you guys all have a different approach i feel like vlad has been coming out since i was 10 years old like i i've had so many iterations of delicious vlads like like so for you specifically brandon like what what is the, the kind of the approach you have neapolitan coming out right what are you yeah, guys calling so, that like, kind of our first couple of years we stuck to like just a couple couple variations like coffee vanilla regular um i kind of went crazy with one where i did like cinnamon and chocolate and cocoa nibs and vanilla it all got together. weird kind of going for like a mexican hot chocolate type yeah. thing and um then at one point i just decided i'm gonna do one per month and kind of been sticking to like maybe six or seven or eight of the same every year and then changing some of them up so like the neapolitan one that's going to be a new one for us that's going to be crazy yeah Probably. people are already people are already overly excited like how do you guys deal with the the, the internet you know the, the the social media side of things and yeah, I, I try not to look at it <laughs> <laughs> right. do you guys all have people for that oh, man it's huge. Well, not huge that. No, I'm not talking about the criticism stuff, but oh. like, like when you're when you're preparing for a release. I mean, uh, like Sean, you guys have tried it in multiple ways. I've seen you guys do reserve stuff, yep. first come first serve stuff. I've mm -hmm. seen, you know, we've there, I I may or may not have seen a helicopter fly over your guys's <laughs> place on a Friday <laughs> afternoon for Vanilla Swirl. I'm just saying. Yeah. So I mean, like, how how do you how do you approach that? Like, is that all in conjunction with the you know the people around you, with Sonny and Perry and, and Evan and the crew? I mean, yeah. So basically, what happens is we sit in the office for two weeks and uh, <laughs> or even longer, and uh, we we talk about every possible thing that we can think of, and uh, we try to put ourselves in the shoes of the consumer. Believe it or not, people, that's who who our our main focus is on is making sure that uh, we're not we're not pissing anyone off uh so so to make sure that doesn't happen we try to think of every little thing that could happen how to make sure uh you know after reading through facebook and stuff like that we we definitely read what happened on the last release was it a were people complaining about line cutters okay well cool how do we how do we stop line cutters okay now we make everyone uh sign up on eventbrite well they don't understand what's happening with eventbrite you know what that's a stupid idea well we have a game plan here it's not just we're not just shooting from the hip uh, there's a lot of planning and details that go into it. Uh, I'm sure Brandon, uh, both Brandons are, are going through this similar things where, where they have to figure out the logistics of actually getting the beer into people's hands. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's a long process, and it's, uh, it's hard. But we, the, the reason why we've switched it up so many times is just because we're trying to see what's the best situation uh, for everyone. Uh, Personally, I think the first come, first serve is the best situation uh, because 
it's an it's a, it's the fairest opportunity for anyone to get there. Yeah. Uh, it's it's not my computer's slower, my internet's slower, your internet's faster. There's bots. There, you know, it eliminates all of that. It's just if you want it, line up for the beer. Like just like anything, you know, uh, iPhone goes on sale. You see long lines down in the city for in front of an Apple store or or whatever. And, and it, it's not like we're trying to punish people. You don't if you don't want it, you don't have to line up for it. it it's as simple as that. It's, that it's just what, like like you guys probably want to get it to some of your locals. You know the people yeah, that are there absolutely. all the time, but they have 100%. nine to fives and stuff. So 100%. that's when you're that's when you're changing it up. Yeah. Um, and we and we try to keep a reserve for for the locals too. And even recently, I've seen it at uh, Hailstorm uh, with some of the Vlad releases, and then uh, like we, I spoke on the, the the helicopters flying over more for the three day release. That three-day release, I'll say the Friday, I was there personally, and it was amazing. It was like a 1,200-plus people in line, and it was the best bottle share you've ever been a part of. So, I mean, you can complain all you want about waiting in line, but there was enough beer for one. everybody got a bottle, and everybody got to try. Mm-hmm. I tried some crazy-ass beers in that yeah. line that day. I mean, That's you know. the other part of doing the line. Why I like that, too, is I think everyone has fun. Mm-hmm. Overall, as long as there's... Typically with lines, we only have the only, the only issue we have is a we run out or b line cutters. Yeah. As long as everyone gets a bottle, typically everyone's happy because uh, they they do get to do the line the bottle shares and stuff like that. Yeah, and and I've seen it, Vlad recently. There's been good parking lot filled with people sharing bottles and just like meeting people. I mean that's part of this industry. That's why you guys are all here, right? I mean all you guys come out to something like this. I mean you you love the community of it and you love everybody the camaraderie and everybody hangs out and everybody wants to whip out their. Uh, you know their biggest bottle uh, and, and kind of show off a little bit. I mean, you guys have gotten that a little bit. Uh, you know, in your lines now over at work or at uh, Hailstorm. No, you just <laughs> no, you don't see it, huh? You're like, I'm not there. I'm not there for the release. No, I'm there. I'm there. <laughs> no, but uh, so what about um, ideas? I mean, like, where do the does everything come from? Just kind of like, oh man, I like uh, you know, I like a, like a coffee and chocolate together. Let's do something like that. I mean, do, where's the inspiration come from? Do you guys take it? From, I mean, the Hailstorm crew just walked in here with mounds of hotel life for hot beers and all kinds of stuff. You guys are represented very well back there. I see Pat and Joe, the crew over there. So, like, do you take stuff from your staff, from everybody that works there? Like, or is it like what Brandon likes? That's what Brandon's brewing. I'm, no, I'm glad. You know, I'm staff you know if they recommend something like hey why don't you try such and such i you know maybe mix up a small batch keg of it josh um, picks everything right i yeah. figure it's josh yeah it's all josh <laughs> no so Hi, yeah josh. like if there's like an idea and it works out on like a small scale you know like mixing a couple things up in a keg um then maybe we'll try to scale it up um otherwise you know it's you know, ideas from the culinary world, like food, not just like chicken, but <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> not just well, like hot chicken, like ice cream, like Neapolitan, right? So, um, you know, basically anything that that can work well together, it's worth you know, a shot. Flavors that work well. Um, I actually have a book. I can't even remember the name of it, but it's got radical brewing. No, it's it's Am not a, it's not a brewing book. No, it's did, a it's a cooking Mo- it's a cooking book. It. The art of <laughs> the art of war. It's I like flavors that are complementary and flavors that are, you know, not complementary and flavor bible. Flavor bible. There yes. Um, so I, I look That's through why there every once in a while and, <laughs> and try to get some ideas from that. But 
Yeah, I mean, any inspiration can strike. But, it, but so R&D, I mean, you guys, like you said, you're 10, 10, 15 barrel systems now. Brandon, you're not, Brando, you're not that far removed from that small system that I'm sure everybody's ass is in a seat right now. I remember sitting at the small tap room and workforce, you know, in the early days where Chicago Brew Works back in the day. Like, you guys were brewing on a small system. Do you still have that R&D heart and soul? I mean, where you're trying this shit out first? No, totally. So our first, uh, so when we started Workforce, obviously we had the homebrew shop and we were working on getting our, our big system going, which is two barrels at the time. But big uh, the, system. the very first Sleepy Bear was brewed on a 30-gallon uh, uh, system. So it was a Blickman top tier uh, in the current shop. And uh, I had a 20-gallon hot liquor tank and 20-gallon uh, mash tun and 30-gallon boil kettle. Um, I think we actually did 20 gallons of the beer, and uh, that's that's where that was formulated. So we've always tried to keep those roots of like what we are and where we came from. Um, so when we put the new system in, it was it was really important to us not to get rid of our two barrel system of what we do now. So Jake Leduc, uh, he really does a lot now over on that system with pilot batching, coming up with new recipes because I'm pretty busy with Steve over here, Wartendike, um, on the, the bigger system. So we still kind of keep that mentality of, all right, what what's new and what's, you know, cutting edge because we want to stay on top of what what's going on as well as we're using our entire homebrew shop of all the malt and hops and yeast and everything that we have to kind of formulate our new beers. Um, what's interesting is that, like, being able to be on a two-barrel system, we still can knock out some pretty cool beers put them on tap and those those beers flow through quick and we're, we don't have a ton of expenditure out as well on that experimentation side of it from a business standpoint that we can still really play around have a awesome time come up with really cool formulations um we're working really hard right now on a lot of foraged beers so that would be adjuncts i would consider uh we've got we've like, can you go deeper on that? Because that just absolutely. got me. Yeah. What, what absolutely. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, today. When you say forged beers. Yeah. So recently, um, so I'm a huge morel hunter in the spring. Wild mushroom onions. hunter. Yeah. Mushroom I hunter. hunt boomers. Okay. And uh, <laughs> so, so this spring, um, you know, or I should back up and say we, we hunt a lot of ramps, a lot of wild onions, a lot of morels. Um, actually, uh, uh gentleman walked in the other day who he's moving to washington a few weeks but uh he is a huge forager and came in with some uh local wild sumac as well as chanterelles uh they're popping right now and uh some maitakis which uh he also had some dried maitakis so we started playing around with a little of that kind of came up with a formula um foraged about 60 pounds of sumac reduced that down at 180 degrees in a we kind of made a bath in our uh, boil kettle, and we're on an electric system on our two-barrel, so it was really nice that we were able to uh, kind of do a recirculation bath on that. And we made this awesome tea out of the sumac as well as the chanterelles. Chanterelles, if you ever had them, they're, like, incredibly fruity with earthiness to them. Uh, we have a stout that we were blending in tonight for like a new adjunct stout with chanterelles and sumac. So we're pretty excited for that going forward too. Just kind of something different and, uh, that we're 
It's not a cake beer. Sorry. <laughs> no vanilla. In I jumped one. right over you because I heard forged beers, and I was like, I don't think I've heard that term yet. So yeah. I wanted so. to know more. Well, Scratch, they're killing it on the Forge game. Well, uh, that's they, they go to the backyard and pick shit, and then they make a beer out of it, and it's yeah, awesome. Yeah, but they're doing yeah. it right. Yeah, they're doing they awesome. They really are. We're kind of trying to uh, you know, use them as inspiration, too, in, in some new stuff that we're doing as well. So, Is it fun to do adjunct collabs? I mean, I know you guys have all done it, right? You guys have all done adjunct stout collabs? All collabs are fun. Vanilla Noise, right? Uh, you guys. You guys, obviously, yeah. the hot chicken beer. Uh, Brando, what, what are some of the... Hog Slayer. The, the sticky, sticky, sting, yeah, sticky fingers, yeah. Uh, yeah, they're. That's fun. To get like, what, like everybody knows what you get out of it on the on the consumer end. I mean, like, obviously, all of us get that sweet erection when we see two breweries we love on on top of the bottle, and we're like, boom, we're buying that. Like, don't act like you don't. Don't act like you don't buy that beer because of it has two this noon whistle and workforce on it. You know, like, but but for the liquid side, it's always good, but. When you guys are doing that stuff, like, what do you guys get behind the curtain while you're doing that? Like, just uh, it's just a hangout. It's uh, a good time to see how they're doing things. It's, uh, it's just it's it's a lot of talking and and <laughs> like picture taking shit or just talking. Oh, it's picture taking. Picture taking. It's cute. Um, it's fun, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It's 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 nothing as as far as like what what actually happens. There's nothing, nothing crazy happened. It's just two like-minded people or or, or breweries, um, getting together trying to do something similar and and nail it. And just nail it, nail it. Sometimes what happens too is that like, so as a prof- in the professional industry, we're always at events, right? We're always at different things, and sometimes at events or like beer fest or whatever, we don't talk about. Um, the business world of like uh, techniques and this and that and what we're doing because we're like or even per, on a personal level we all hang out or we'll barbecue and we don't we don't go into that but when we collab you're in business you're in brewing mindset so on a collab what offers up is that like when we're all together and we're brewing a beer together we start talking about like you know well this is how i do it or this is how i do it or you know how different formats go down to make sure the package beer is the perfect this. Well, this is how I, you know, do this route. And that's what's so cool is, like, it's not just collaborating on recipes and everything, but it's, like, making the overall beer in general for everyone and what we're doing better. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's, like, the best takeaway of a collaboration. Yeah. I mean, I was here for, like, two hours before we started this whole thing today, and I heard at least... 10 different conversations I could have learned from just by eavesdropping on you guys talking to each other besides your uh, what was the thing that he had that's really old that he oh <laughs> the multimeter his multimeter that <laughs> like my multimeter died like they can't Beer help, name. like as far as I can tell they can't help but like talk about this stuff like it's true passion because they, they really can't help but talk to each other about what's going on and and how to how to do different things so like do you guys ever have like discussions and learn from each other on things like dude peanut butter is a bitch to deal with in an adjunct style like what because there what's that ingredient that drives you effing crazy to 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 do coconut. an adjunct style coconut or small children which one coconut <laughs> coconut brandon's daughter wants to be a part of this podcast right now she, she can have my seat you're in you already seat. she did the mic checks for us earlier just so you know that's why it sounds so good she did yeah. mm-hmm 
So like, what what are the coconuts? Like, what what's coconut? Why why is it such an issue? It's just like a pain in the ass to deal with. Like yeah. adding it to a beer. So like, we're, <laughs> <laughs> we were talking the other like like, like we were talking about like homebrewer batches like five gallon, ten gallon. You know, you can just dump coconut in the top of a in the top of like a carboy or a or a bucket, and then strain your beer right out of there. Well, adding coconut into thirty barrels of beer. You're either dumping it into a fermenter, which all settles to the bottom, and then you got to somehow out. figure out how to get your beer through that coconut <laughs> without getting all that coconut into your bright tank or your package okay. or whatever. Um, and, you know, you put a strainer on there or something, and it just clogs up instantly. Um, or we tried... Uh, basically a giant hop back type setup which is it's like a 75 gallon tank it's got a a false bottom like you would have a false bottom in a mash tun put the coconut in there tried to circulate the beer through there from the fermenter through the through the coconut you know down through the uh the false bottom and then back into the fermenter to kind of extract all the coconut flavor and it worked for like 30 seconds and then <laughs> but the beer tried. was still fermenting. The At pump was tried. cavitating. Just basically nothing works. So. Did you tell me what <laughs> cavitating means? It means there's a bunch of air in the pump head and it, it just stops pumping. That's better. I'm sorry. As I'm a, a home brewer, I'm when a you dummy. hear your March pump or chugger pump scream, yeah. it's cavitating. Yeah, it's cavitating. Yeah, when there's <laughs> air in the pump head. I heard a couple O's. Yeah. Air in the pump head. Somebody's learning something. Uh, I like working with coconut. I um, love coconut. Yeah. I just don't like working with it. I, I actually like. I've never. I haven't ran into any issues ever working with coconut. But uh, sorry, so, Sean. So the, well, <laughs> the, so the, the, way that, the way that we use it, I I do have to say we use shredded coconut. I don't use flaked uh, surface area. Could you explain the difference? Shredded yeah, and flaked and is flaked. Uh, looks like uh, more like a snow. Uh, a fl- uh, snowball? <laughs> no, not a, 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 a snowflake. Uh, where it's it's flat, um, but you can have bunches that end up sitting together, so you get less surface area. Shredded, more like strands. They're dried out, and they tend to look uh, like hair almost. Uh, very very coarse hair. Sorry, um, and you get lots in. of gaps in between them uh, when they're in a bag or whatever. The other thing I do that I think makes a huge difference is I use uh, nylon bags. Um, nylon bags, I think, catch a lot of the oils from the coconut, so you don't lose out on head retention, um, but you get all the flavor. And then, uh, I, I, in, in between, this this will go a little bit deeper. I don't I don't think we have time do here it. today to no, go into this, but Just go uh, if we wanted to get into uh, some of the processing of how to do it, is uh, when I empty out the nylon bags, there's actually a, you can feel it. There's fat from the the coconut, and when I uh, I actually have to use some sort of uh, caustic or or uh, alkaline cleaner in order to get that fat off, and then we'll we'll dunk it in a sanitizer to neutralize it and sanitize it. Um, but but it, it definitely helps that regards, and I get a lot of questions on if the the oils and and nuts or or specifically coconut uh, affect head retention. I haven't had that issue, and it probably is because of that. Uh, but yeah, we, we order uh, raw, dehydrated, 
shredded coconut and we toast it ourselves. I prefer on pan if I'm doing small batch. So if I'm ever entering a festival and you have one of my beers that has coconut in it, the chances are very high that it, it was a uh, uh, small batch on a stove, uh, literally in a pan. And I get crispy kind of edges. I get black, I get brown, I get white. Um, I get all sorts of nice nice color variation, which translates to flavor variation. And I like that personally. Um, but if I'm doing large batches, if I were to bottle something, uh, I would do it in an oven. And uh, yeah, but I, w- now, but I now would do, do the you, same process. Like if you're doing a small batch, are you the one holding the pan and toasting that coconut? I've been throwing uh, John John's in the been, kitchen. John's yeah. the coconut guy. John's you're been thrown in the kitchen guy. a few times. Back look at Ram, look I was out doing for clamps it. and gaskets coming soon. <laughs> yeah. uh, back at Ram, I was doing it all, but uh, we're just so busy right now at Moore. Uh, it's basically. I mean, sometimes I think John, John will agree. We've we've handed it off to a kitchen guy even uh, in the middle of the day. We've we've asked them to toast coconut for us because uh, we just don't have people. the time. Yeah, you got skilled uh, kitchen people there though, so it's yeah. Right. yeah. We tell it's them, right. we, hey, I want I want some dark crispy edges and, and they got it. Kind they of a medium rare it. middle. Medium uh, rare middle. I toasted uh, the coconut. They're probably looking yeah. at you like, what? They're is like, your I don't problem? know what you're talking about. <laughs> I toasted it. Uh, no, we'll do an oven an, an oven toast. We'll take it out. Uh, I'd say we put it in for somewhere around 400 to 450 and we'll take it out do a mix put it back in until we get kind of an even layer and it it doesn't produce a bad beer by any means but uh i definitely have enjoyed the beers that have variation in the toast uh better than the more evenly toasted uh surprisingly and then uh yeah it goes into a nylon bag we usually age for two uh 24 to uh 48 yeah We'll go a little longer, but 72 hours probably, any, one, one to three days. And then, uh, yeah, we'll rack off of it, and there's our beer. So uh, what, what, like, do you guys, do Brando and Brandon, do you guys have ingredients that, uh, that, that kind of mess with you? I've heard, like, peanut butter is tough. Like, you have to get, like, a powder type thing, and that's, yeah. you know, to avoid, like, the oils and stuff. Is that, like, what are the big pain in the asses for you guys? You know, Brandon, you said coconut for you, but what about you, Brando? Like, what? You're like, I do it all. I'm cool. They're all easy. Yeah. Bring it on. We haven't had, uh, I, I wouldn't say like I've had problems. God, I'm trying to think. We ha- well, I've never done a peanut butter beer, believe it or not, in 14 years. Let's make it happen, bro. We sell <laughs> PB2 next door. I've never done a peanut butter beer. Uh, someday we will, for sure. Um, coconut, I will actually on our small batch stuff, we toast all our own. Same thing in a sheet pan. Mm-hmm. Um, we do in the oven. And uh, we do unsweetened coconut and all that. But Same. when we did, uh, like, German chocolate uh, Sleepy Bear on a 20-barrel batch, I was like, God, I'm not going to roast, like, 400 pounds of coconut, 300, <laughs> whatever, you know, on this. Um, so that was the first time uh, Brandon and uh, Steve from Hailstorm had talked to me about Nuts.com, too, and using some of their pre-toasted, which was really nice. When but do it's you sweetened. When do you add it? We added it in secondary, so beers fermented out. Uh, we did. I was worried about the extra sugar that's added on. They do add some sugar on that coconut, so we let that ferment out for about another week. It was like 10, 10 days or something. Um, definitely when you're in a packaging situation, too, with bottles, you're worried about. But I think that would be my big scare is bottle bombs. Uh, bottle things, bombs. You know, over-carbonating. It's not so much the adjunct. We know how to process a, a piece of food through the beer to make it add flavor. 
but the biggest scare is the end result, right? To make sure that the beer is stable, that you guys can, you know, we're going to package it, you're going to take it home, it's going to be perfect. Even, you know, if you want to cellar it for a year, two years with a coconut beer, I wouldn't recommend that because <laughs> it drops. But uh, making sure it's, you know, stable. Sh- stable. That's, that's, that's like our biggest concern. We're putting out, you know, 1,000 bottles, 2,000 bottles, 3,000 bottles. Like, I do, I do not want 3,000 people coming back to us and going, my beer overflowed, you know, mm. when I opened it up. So. My beer was a grenade and yeah. blew up in my car. what we want to have happen. I've been scrubbing my seats for a week. No, right. that's, that's and it does happen with adjuncts. That's, that's yeah. uh, you know, the risk of brewing adjunct beers is how do you make this the perfect beer? Um, that's what we, that, that's is, my scare. Joe, on, on top of that, not to go past this this part of this talk. It's, but it's your guys' show. I'm just here to mediate. <laughs> but... Uh, that's a that's another part of where kind of this this uh, scene has taken us is into unfermented adjuncts uh, as far as like fruits and stuff um, and that's a that's a thing that I, we've gotten into more at more at more uh, where we've been doing uh, unfermented fruit basically being added into the finished products and that's why we've been very 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 uh, upfront with with telling and diligent about telling people to keep your beer cold drink it fresh uh because basically if you if you want your orange juice to stay fresh after you know like you gotta in the fridge we were referring to the the fruited series right that's is is that what you're referring to specifically the fruited series but we've started doing it in argosa we're actually going to be releasing a milkshake ipa in the next maybe by friday or possibly early next week uh where, where we're not fermenting the fruit um, because that's quite oh. frankly, that's the flavor profile that uh, people want right now. Is they don't want fermented fruit; uh, they want fresh fruit. It's awesome. The fruited series has been amazing. But thank you. But we're talking about adjunct stouts. So yeah. <laughs> no, uh, so for you guys, I mean that that's that's about as good of as good of information as I could take in on, on adjunct stout stuff. I mean, we talked about some of your guys' like issues with, with different, different adjuncts and all that. Uh, do you guys have like favorites? Like what, what is the, what is the one you want to work with all the time? Like what's the one you're like, yeah, dude, this has got to go in here. Obviously not peanut butter for you, Brandon. Coconut, cinnamon, <laughs> and cocoa nibs. Coconut, that's cinnamon, my, cocoa nibs. That's my baby. Honestly, coconut's my favorite, even though it's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> what? No, dude, you're coconut bled? No, it's Shit the worst awesome. to work with. But no, it's my oh, favorite yeah, edge. Okay. <laughs> I was I think you were like literally talking about, I'm like, what? That's like No, I love I love coconut. That's like coconut and maple. Maple actually maple's probably my maple's favorite. Maple's absolutely great. So Co- coffee vanilla. Yep. Like I love that Fuck yeah. coffee <laughs> plus vanilla. Like yeah. ah, it's so good. So I love cinnamon. If I had to pick one you strike me just as a one is guy, a cinnamon. <laughs> I like I like working with it. It's super easy, uh, and I love the balance that it creates between a sweet stout and the spicy cinnamon. It's just nice. I do like I do like cinnamon as well. So one of my one of my favorite stories I've been told by a brewer on on the podcast has been uh, from Mike Palin over at Microphone. Mike Mike told the story about. Um, and I'm sure all of you have either traded or tried or tried to get a, a, some sort of bean spirit or different uh, version of bean spirit. Mike told the story about his initial batches of bean spirit and how he 
kind of was dumb about it when he when he he was like, all right, well, I'm gonna make this beer and put maple syrup in it, and then the yeast ate all of his maple syrup, and then he didn't have any maple syrup. So then the second batch, he said, I'm gonna put double what I put in last time, and then it ate that, and yeah. <laughs> lost all his maple syrup. Like, have you guys had that situation, like, or did you learn from people beforehand with the, you know, not specifically maple syrup, but like any ingredient that like you thought you were smarter than when you first use it, and then like, oh, I'm getting better at this now. I got no, this. I think. Now. For me personally, it becomes a consumer awareness thing, and it's just making sure that they're aware that if I'm, if they, if this is what they want, they want fresh fruit, they want fresh maple, they want this, they want that. Knowing that it's a consumable sugar by yeast, keep it cold, drink it fresh. Like that, like that's my solution to the problem, and that's the only way that I want to figure that out right now. And there, there's specific things. Uh, talking to a homebrewers group, there's specific things like potassium sorbate and stuff like that that'll kill yeast. Uh, and that kind of thing. Uh, I haven't felt the need to go down that, that road. It's more just a consumer awareness, putting it on the label, uh, putting it between two red crosses in our posts and stuff like that, like making sure we're just driving that home. Put it in your fridge when you get home. Don't, don't come to more and pick up a fruited and then go to the mall and shop for three hours and then get back in your car. Go when home. When it's 98 degrees out? No? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not uh, a good idea. Know? You know, go home, put it in your fridge, and drink it. Don't don't sit on it. There's no point in aging that beer. It's ready to drink right now. Just just drink it. How about you guys? Do you have any weird stories from like early days of adjuncts where you're like, I thought I had this ingredient in my head under control, and then I, I feel like I missed it, and then you get better. I've got one. The almost truffle shuffle. The almost <laughs> truffle shuffle. <laughs> that was the one you put like three thousand dollars in the truffles in. Well. My brother went to Italy, met a truffle farmer. God, I remember that post and everything from Facebook. My brother texts me. He's like, dude, I can hook you up with black truffles straight from the hunter. And I'm like, I'm in. So it was like $2,000 street value, right? Street value. <laughs> I spent a grand. Yep. Uh, so we Black tar heroin. <laughs> it's probably less. Probably cheaper. <laughs> Uh, so uh, we had a two-barrel batch. Uh, we actually had um, some beers that we had in wine barrels. We had two different saisons. Uh, both tasted great. We blended them in, in, like, tasting them in a glass. It was awesome. We're like, man, you know what would go great in this? Thousand dollars, two thousand street value truffles. <laughs> two thousand so, street value. So we uh, we took the beers, blended them, threw them into a stainless fermenter. And our smaller uh, fermenters next door have this big, like, pressure top on them, kind of like a pressure cooker, and they, the whole lid flips off. So I got all these truffles. So if you've ever seen $1,000 wholesale truffles, it's like eight that are about... Like a handful. Like, like <laughs> this. And, He's got uh, big hands, though. He's got huge hands. Bear paws. So there was yeah. a lot of truffles. But uh, <laughs> so Amanda and I, we went home that night, and we, like, cooked some pasta and shaved them to taste them. We had to do QC. They were Quality awesome. control. Yeah. Huge aromatics, like, big flavor. Everything was great. And uh, so we opened the lid. We, like, purged everything with CO2. I had a mandolin. We're, like, shaving truffles into this beer. We're all excited. Let it sit for like five or six days, you know. All right, all right. Well, that's enough. So we package the beer, bottle conditioned. We wait the two weeks to the beer to be ready. We're all excited. We pop a bottle. Pour is great. All right, we're 
you're smelling it. Hey, you get truffle? I don't know. But you get truffle? You get truffle? You get truffle? Nobody got truffle. No truffle. We fucked up. <laughs> I could have spent $1,000 way better. <laughs> yeah. So thus, it went from the truffle shuffle to the almost truffle shuffle. The base beer was great. It tasted good. But we got no truffle. So... <laughs> That's my story. <laughs> That's your story. Messing up an adjunct. How about you, Brandon? Uh, cinnamon for me. Um, I messed around with it a lot, uh, kind of first year or two. Um, like powder, different varieties, using whole stick, uh, crunching it up, soaking it in vodka, and making like an extract, um, and I found actually that powder was the best form to use it in and um, there's several different types of cinnamon there's like true cinnamon which is like typically called like Ceylon cinnamon um, and there's like all the like cinnamon that you buy in the grocery store which is uh, Cassia what's it called? Cassia, Cassia Cassia, right. Cassia yeah. bark yeah. Um, which is like a hotter kind of spicier cinnamon uh, saline is much more subtle. Uh, it's a softer kind of cinnamon flavor. And I played around a lot with both of them. Um, and I actually kind of found like a blend between the two works the best. Uh, whenever I used like the whole uh, stick cinnamon, I found that I got like a cedar flavor from the beers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I stopped using like whole stick cinnamon. I found that like... Um, ground cinnamon throwing it into the kettle right at like whirlpool uh gave you like the truest kind of cinnamon flavor that you would want in a beer um but it drove me nuts for a while like just going back and forth between types and and uh you know processing for you know whole stick versus powder and uh i really hate the the cedary the cedary um, flavor you get from the, the whole stick. At least uh, that's what I found when I added it cold. I actually never tried adding it hot, but um, down the road, R&D. Yeah. A little more R&D down There's the so road. many different ways to, to add ingredients, right? Uh-huh. So Yeah. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask them one more question as a panel. So for you guys, while I'm asking them this question, if anybody out there has questions for them and they want to come walk forward in the next, like, five minutes or so, just come over here and we'll, we'll kind of give me your question and I'll repeat it to them. So don't be shy. I mean, there's three epic brewers up here that brew amazing adjunct stouts. If you have questions about homebrew or just if you're just a beer nerd and you like to grab releases and you just have a question for them, I mean, please feel free to come and ask. But when I got a group like you three together, I got to ask this because this has been like one of my favorite questions to, to, to bore into people and it kind of plays on what Sean has been talking about with with education of the consumer um, which we're probably at a height that we've never been at before uh, so thank God for that but there's still a long way to go with with consumers being educated on what they're buying and what they're doing and what's happening behind the scenes and all that so my big thing is let's say adjunct stouts and also let's throw in adjunct barrel aged stouts so when you make a barrel aged stout when you're releasing that to the public 
you feel that that beer is ready to be drank. I know, Brando, you talked a little bit about, like, even if you want to lay it down for a year or two, like, what are your guys' thoughts, starting with Brando down at the end, like, what are your guys' thoughts on people taking your barrel-age release and then throwing it in a cellar? Totally. So I don't have a problem at all with people cellaring beer because me as a beer drinker, I do that, right? I go to things, I buy it. Um, It really started with New Belgium, uh, when I started looking at New Belgium's uh, methodology on uh, beers, and it had to do more with their sour and wild stuff, that like when they released it, it should be drank. It's like ready to drink right then. It's not going to get any better. Um, you know, do that. And uh, so I kind of started taking that with my own beer personally. I'd always leave some to try later, but. Uh, even with beer I release now as a professional brewer, like when I try a beer, it's awesome. You know, we work really, really hard. We, all of my staff, like we sit, we sit down, especially the brewers, we sit down and we're like, we try these beers and like, this is good now. This is what we want to release. Uh, that's what we're the most excited about. We totally want people to age these beers to, you know, try them later. I can't guarantee what it's going to be like three or four or five years down the road. You know, we make make good beer, we make clean beer, it's great. But what I have today is what I want and what I want it to come out of the bottle like. Um, I'm all for experimenting, but you know, I think every brewer has gotten emails like on their, oh, I, this I've had this in my cellar for four years. I tried it wasn't exactly what I wanted and you're like well <laughs> it sucks you kept it in your cellar for four years like I did the same but you know it's it's hard for us to be responsible for how that was kept in a mm-hmm. cellar too um, I'm all over a, a heater next to a radiator <laughs> right. thing. yeah but sitting right. in this radiator laced apartment for the I last mean, four years <laughs> why does it taste weird you know it sucks we've had people fill a growler and like come back four hours later and like be really mad that the growler exploded in their car and we're like holy shit it sucks what happened and they're like well we went into town for dinner and we then we went out party and went to three bars and it was 110 degrees out and a growler popped in my trunk and that might like, do it you know and we'll we'll always take that the uh, the right road and be like that's like let's get you a beer let's re you know do the right thing but it comes out to how you treat every beer right whether it's ours or any beer it's how are you treating it in your cellar as an ager you know right so if you're gonna put it down there and keep it for three or four years because you think it's going to mature over time uh make sure it's treated right so kind of went on a tangent there well said sir your whole episode was a tangent i mean i'm a (laughs) tangent guy sorry well played sir all right sean it's on you now what do you think when you when you release a barrel aged beer or you know it, it? How do you feel about it laying down in a cellar? Like, uh, do you, I mean I'm not saying you have to be like I don't want you to do that, but it's you know. So I'm not I'm not gonna I'm gonna say don't this be first. the old grumpy guy. We, we we will definitely take accountability on anything that we brew, um, but at the same point, uh, I'm putting something in a bottle or a can or anything right right then and there when I think that it's ready. So for you to make the decision as a consumer that you're not going to drink it 
you know, within a reasonable amount of time, whether it's days or weeks or, or hell, even a month of, of when you purchase that beer from us, uh, that's when I start to lose some of my... Um, patience? No. Pa- yeah, I guess I'm patience. Uh, just, just in general, like, I don't know. What were you thinking? What do you think was going to happen to that beer? Like, things, things in general that you consume don't get better with age in general. There are exceptions to that. Wines, certain barrel-aged stouts. There, you know, there, there's certain things that do get better with age. But typically, when you buy something at the store, you don't you don't put your gallon of milk in the fridge and then drink it a month later. You drink it right away. You don't go back to Dean's and tell them like, "Hey, this spoiled." It's because there's a there's a there's a, a common knowledge and an expiration code. But there's a common knowledge that as things get older, they get they get worse than they were when the day than the day you bought them. So that's that's kind of a thing that I, I have and and I think in general, I'd say 97% of the people that buy our beer typically have that thought process and I think that that's been key to a lot of the success success of our uh, you know, some some of our brands our, our adjuncted brands essentially things that have you know, fruits or, or any sort of flavoring and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's that, it's the education piece. I mean, it's, it's exactly. what, you, what you've talked about. I mean, that's just where we're a, at right now. It's a great, it's a great point, man. Yeah. Uh, to me, I, I don't sell her much, you know, I don't have the luxury to, and I don't feel the need to half the time because it's good and I want to drink it. And I don't buy like five or six at a time either. I right. buy two maybe at the most. Right. So what about you? Like when, you when you're when you putting out Vlad uh, on the 18th, when you put out your your next version of Vlad, are you are you like, drink that in like a couple of weeks or a month or something. Don't let it sit for two so years. Like that particular one would be the perfect example of like just drink it now because those flavors aren't going to get any better as they get older. Right? right. So um I think we we try to we try to make our beers stable uh, so that they can be aged, if you want. But you know, obviously, with the, as with any adjunct, um, the flavor is going to fade over time. So I would prefer if people drink them fresh. Uh, you know, I try to make sure that there's nothing fermentable in there, yeah. um, or if there is, that the yeast, you know, like. We add some fresh juice to beers um, after they've been in a barrel for a year, so you can pretty much assure that the yeast is pretty much dormant at that point. It's died off. Um, obviously, we've run the risk of some rogue yeast taking off in the bottle, but it uh, hasn't seemed to be an issue. <laughs> Haven't seen um, it. <laughs> Haven't seen it much. Yeah, but, so yeah, so, like, yeah, basically just if it's got a flavored in it or an adjunct drink it fresh i mean it's it's not going to get any better uh we've already aged the beer in the barrel for the consumer um that's kind of the point of a barrel aged beer yeah i mean i tend to follow the rule of trust your brewers because they they know what they're doing i swear they do uh, especially a crew like the three of you guys have been doing it for a while and you've been doing it pretty well at a high level and this scene of chicago beer is I mean, if I mean, if we're biased, obviously, but it feels like it's second to none, you know, around the country. I know you guys have seen more of the country and the beer scene, but it's a pretty damn good scene. So it's nice to trust the brewers that are making your beer, right? Man, I know you guys. There's a lot of humility sitting next to me as well. I know you guys are gonna be like, "Yes, we know what we're talking about. We're the best." Like, but you know, from the consumer standpoint, you guys have proven that. 
And one last thing from you guys before I turn it over to see if any audience people have questions. Guys, if you have a question, please come up here now. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you guys a quick opportunity to throw some rose petals at uh, your, your assistant brewers who have tagged along. I mean, I know Steve and from Hailstorm and, and Evan, the GM over at Moore. And, and uh, yeah, John's busy talking over there. He's too busy yapping. <laughs> but, Damn uh, it, John. But what do those guys mean to you, man? A lot to me. Uh, I've got Steve Wurtendyke, uh, who's Steve's working. still working back there right now, isn't he? <laughs> it was <laughs> Steve went home. He's moving uh, okay. this week, so he just bought a house. Congrats, Steve. Um, so he had to take Jake off. Jake and Jake. Yeah, and Jake Leduc and Jake Schuf. They're actually holding down the shop right now. Those guys are rock stars. Uh, both of them. I mean, between Steve, Jake, and Jake, and. Uh, you know, we make a great team, the four of us, and I couldn't do everything I do uh, without them. So it means a lot to me. Yeah. John? Uh, John, uh, he's, he's been a, a huge help in the brewery. You should uh, probably stand up. You should probably make him stand up. <laughs> John, please rise. Please stand up. There it is. There he is. Take, take it in. Take it in. Woo! You know, he looks more like a brewer than me. He's got the beard. He does. He has an actual yeah. man face. I get no. jealous sometimes, but... <laughs> I haven't told him yet. The champagne now. of beards on Instagram. Yeah, I know. You want him? Uh, no, he's been an uh, integral part of the brewery. Um, he has a strong culinary background, um, so that's been key to uh, flavor profiling and whatnot. Um, he just 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 did his first batch of uh, his own beer where I let him lead the entire thing. I didn't try to bother him at all. Uh, and that's coming out uh, in two weeks called Clamping Gasket. That'll be in cans, uh, Amarillo. Uh, Idaho 7 and Equinot. Hazy, uh, bro. Hazy. Nice, nice hazy uh, uh, IPA. But uh, And then Evan's over there, too. Yeah, he's uh, okay. And What's up, Evan? He's Yeah, buddy. He's yeah, all right. Buddy. He's he okay. makes sure the food tastes good while you're drinking your beer and you he's have okay. a good experience. He's yeah. uh, one of the guys in the rooms for uh, – or one in the room for uh, – two weeks or, th- or a month or whatever. <laughs> for the planning of for releases. For planning for releases. Uh, see, I mean, him, me and him bounce a, I don't even, a countless amount of ideas off of each other and try to make sure everything's ran as smoothly as we possibly can. So he's awesome. About you, Brandon. So, uh, yeah, Steve. Everybody knows Steve. 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 Yeah. <laughs> the so one actually, and only Steve Miller. Steve probably has more professional experience than I do. He opened a brewery than anyone. <laughs> uh probably a year before I did um, he's been uh, he's been invaluable uh, he always brings new ideas um, you know a lot of times I didn't think of it and Steve's like hey let's do it this way and it's like holy shit that's a much more efficient way to do it <laughs> it's way better and uh, yeah always helping out uh, you know he, he you know I come up with sometimes a crazy idea like I don't know fried chicken beer <laughs> and he's he's like he's kind of against that stuff, but you know, yeah. I I brew a a New England clam chowder IPA, and Steve's like, no, nah, we can't fucking do That's that. That's not a good idea. <laughs> so, yeah, he, he he helps balance me out a little. So, well, cheers, cheers to the assistant brewers and the uh, all all the help that you guys get. Um, who's got line. questions? Anybody? Somebody? Come on, we got to have something. All right, that's my buddy Brad right here. Brad, shout it out, and I'll, I'll relay it. All right, so I'm a bourbon guy as much as a craft beer guy. Right? Yeah. So when you come to, like, bourbon barrel distilling, do you notice 
a differentiation between barrels. And also, my second question is, kind of fun. Is there a sweet spot for barrel aging when you're using like German barrels? Like, what, what individually, what is your sweet spot? Yeah, Joe. Can you repeat it for him? Okay, so Brad's asking, like, he's kind of a bourbon guy, so he wonders, like, what's the differentiation between the certain barrels, probably brand types, that, that kind of differentiation. Yeah, like, and he's wondering, like, what's a what's a sweet spot, you know, for, for aging and timing and the barrels and that. So, my quick answer, and then I'll let them go real quick. Uh, if if I'm going, uh, if I'm going to kiss the barrel, I'm going to give it three months. If I'm not going to do three months, then I try not to do anything till closer to ten. Uh, I think that middle ground is a uh, a time where things become unbalanced. Um, and then as far as barrels, specific barrels, uh, 100%, not even between brands, but even even within the same brand. If I get two Heaven Hill barrels, there's a hundred percent different. Uh, uh, character that I'm going to get out of each of those Heaven Hill barrels, even with the same uh, base beer, uh, whether it's uh, I remember back at Ram with Chaos Cabernet was a huge note that I was getting out of one of my Heaven Hill barrels whereas another one didn't have any real Cabernet barrel uh, or Cabernet kind of notes to it and it's just really fun, that's that's actually one of my most exciting times is when I'm doing that Alright, anybody else want to add to that? I agree 100% um, so every barrel up there you know, there's multiple beers that are the same in those barrels, and we'll pull nails and we'll try, and every single barrel is different, which is crazy. Like, they're the same Heaven Hill or, you know, what we got from uh, uh, Brandon does a huge bulk barrel buy, which helps all of us smaller brewers out too. And uh, so we got some Sazerac, and it was like, you know, you, you even a couple months in, three, four months in, it's like, God, this has got, like, chocolate notes. This has got... You know, strong bourbon. This has got that like wine sherry kind of note to it. Um, so it it kind of all has to do with that kind of barrel. One barrel that I won't really use anymore probably is um, Wild Turkey. Uh, Wild Turkey is known for green apple, like as a spirit. And uh, I think a few of us have had issues where we've like tried that tr- put beer in those barrels and like the beer that came out so we put beer into wild turkey as well as other barrels and the ones that came out definitely had like that green apple note to it versus like the ones that went into buffalo trace and heaven hill didn't have it same beer same brew same everything it's like whoa brandon would you agree though that sometimes you may have a green apple uh wild turkey barrel and then a bunch of these heaven hill barrels but then when they combine they become something greater than than the sum. Some some, some sort of synergy happens. hundred percent between between all of the barrels. Yeah, I, I like to do blends. Yeah, barrel aging is all about blending. That's you know we've done some single barrel things too where we've like said all right this note's great, but a hundred percent we always blend barrels, and we've even done like you know part this part that and like we're gonna do this and. and Especially on the sour side, too, when you get, move away from adjunct brewing and go into sour brewing, 100%, it's all got to be blended. Um, that's what makes that, like, medium, you know, that you're looking for. Brandon. Can we buy those nails somewhere that you talked about? <laughs> Brando, get on that mic harder. Yes. Get in there. There it is. We sell nails at Chicago Brew Works. Do we want to add to that, or do we want to go next question? Yeah, I'll add to that. Um, so, yeah, like they said, uh, brands, they vary widely. 
Uh, I do the big barrel buy usually for the Brewers Guild, where I'll buy a full truckload of barrels, uh, distribute them, you know, throughout the Chicagoland area. Actually, really the whole Illinois area. Some of the downstate brewers get in on it. But, um, you know, I'll buy a truckload of Buffalo Trace barrels, and I'll get, you know, rye barrels, mash number one, mash number two, all the different brands that Buffalo Trace makes. So, Weller, you know, I mean, there's a giant variety of barrels I'll get, and every single one adds something different to the beer. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I could specify batch. that. Yeah. But. Um, all right, we got another question right here. Uh-oh. Specifically for Sean. Oh, God. Oh, no. It's true. If you're diabetic, stay away from yeah, angry so chair. So, Sean, the question for Sean was, Sean, he... he Proposed that Sean gets a body on a stout that not a lot of people can obtain. And he mentioned Angry Chair was close, but you might need an insulin shot afterwards. So, Sean, uh, what say you? I think there's a lot of things that are happening uh, with that. Uh, real quick, just to run them down you're talking yeast selection, you're talking uh, beta glutens, and you're talking uh, sugar, residual sugar. So I start with going backwards. I start with high residual or high uh, sugar content in the beer to begin with. Uh, Gravity's uh, in the range of, of uh, 11, 40 plus um, for, for starting gravity. I'm typically using uh, I'm typically using an English stale English uh, yeast strain. I'm typically using uh, 13, 18 for most of my stouts. Uh, it's a high glyceride producer. Uh, glyceride uh, is an oil, um, and it it adds perception of body, uh, oiliness, slickness, um, and then and I also use that for all of my IPAs, most of my IPAs, uh, and then we also uh, sorry I'm sorry what was the first one? Uh, we talked about sugar, talked about yeast. <laughs> I don't remember even He's what the lost third track. one I said was. I went on a little rant there. Uh, if you can remind me, I can. You're just putting body into it, man. You're oh, and then uh, beta gluten. So we're, we're typically using a lot of uh, high, true adjunct beers. I know we were talking about adjuncts tonight. Uh, typically, adjuncts are anything but barley that add sugar content to beer. Uh, so we're typically adding uh, uh, e- extreme amounts of oats um, in a. In a 10-barrel batch, I'll add 250 pounds of uh, flaked oats. Um, I, I can't scale that down for you right now. Probably something in the neighborhood of uh, one, two, three, four. Math is hard. Five, five, like five pounds Fuck. of flaked oats in a five-barrel or in a five-gallon batch, something like that. Something in that neighborhood. I mean, that was something that you talked about in your episode of the podcast. Was like you were chasing mouthfeel in some of your hazies. That's you my number one thing I look for in a beer when I. It's when I drink a beer, I want mouthfeel. That pillow talking, though. That pillow yeah, talking pillow is pretty talking. solid. Yep. Uh, all right. About you, Mike. We got Mike Stevenson. A little question. Cut the bullshit and just ask the question. <laughs> Asshole. Mad Hatchet Brewing coming to you in the fall 2018. <laughs>
All right, so you're you're basically asking like loss during barrel aging, basically like the evaporation, got whatever else happens in that barrel, or losing a whole barrel, like losing, <laughs> like how do you anticipate, like how are they preparing for it? Okay. So yeah, you don't you don't prepare for loss, right? Brandon's so a wild card. He's you, like, I don't uh, give a shit. Well, yeah. no, I've <laughs> lost barrels, but I, I, going into it, it's like all right, I fill ten barrels of beer, I expect to get. 10 barrels back. Obviously, you're going to have some loss of evaporation. Glass but, half full. Um, you know, like we were talking about the wild turkey barrels. Um, it kind of the same. It was actually all the same batch of barrels that we all got. Uh, I ordered them. And they all seemed to have gone south. And when we went to empty them, tasted the barrels, and they just had this super strong, like, green apple character to the point where it was like you know acetaldehyde to me is like when you wake up after a long night of drinking and then you're like super hungover that like green apple flavor in your mouth that's like acetaldehyde to me so like smelling that barrel was like smells like a hangover and uh, <laughs> and so like uh, it was like those barrels are going down the drain um, so yeah you don't plan for it it's gonna happen Obviously, at some point, because beer is a living thing. Uh, barrels, they're not perfect. They're not completely sanitary. You hope they are because they had whiskey in them. But, you know, depending on how they're handled, um, they could be sitting dry for a day. They could be sitting dry for a month. You know, it just depends on who your supplier is. And you got to trust them. And hopefully it's fresh and uh, not dried out. And that's about it. Fuck no. <laughs> Nobody. I'm not, not, I'm not afraid that. of them yet, but I haven't used them as much as uh, Brandon. I'm not sure if Brando's used them as much, but I'm not afraid of them. But to to elaborate on his uh, his question there, I, I typically will go into it knowing that the maximum that that barrel is going to hold is about 53 gallons. I, I usually say by the time I'm going to take it based on how, how wet that barrel was, uh, meaning how much whiskey was in that barrel. If it's soaked already, then it's not going to take in as much beer. Uh, I'll, I'll typically just call it 50 gallons is what I'm going to get out. Uh, so I, I, I usually expect a, at least a three-gallon loss, um, and that's usually held true in my experience. Uh, but I'll, I, I don't treat my barrels at all. I, I get them in, and I hope that they're wet, and if they're wet, I just put, put beer right into them. I don't empty them. I don't do anything. Absolutely, in my opinion, yeah. Yeah, you want the wet barrel, yeah. Yeah. If, if the barrel's wet, that tells me, A, it's sanitized, B, it's not going to soak up all my beer, and there's going to be a good amount of bourbon in there. With that said, though, and, and, and I don't have as much experience with home brewing with barrels, with smaller barrels, uh, you are going to create uh, a thinner body initially because you're going to intake about, a, what, 150 proof uh, <laughs> the good uh, stuff. Bourbon, so so that 150 proof is going to thin your beer out. So you need to give it some time to evaporate, real quick. So evaporation will will happen through the pores of the of the oak. Oak's real tight, but you're still going to get evaporation over time. But oak, uh, or, or, or I'm sorry, water H2O, very small molecule, will evaporate faster through that oak. Uh, alcohol, 
I'm not even going to sit here and try to say all the how long the molecule is, but it's a very C2 large H5OH. molecule. C2H5OH. Yeah. Nice. Much larger molecule. I knew you guys were it's smart. Gonna, it's going to seep through that wood much slower. So you're actually going to evaporate more water than you are alcohol. That's why typically you get more alcohol uh, after a finished product that comes out of a barrel versus wood or uh, uh, because, because you have more water evaporation. So you're actually concentrating the sugars and the alcohol All over right. time. Do you mind if we move on to another question? I, we get we had a line here, guys. We do have a line. John's in line. So I'm gonna kind of throw a little <laughs> bit of a wave. I'm going a little away from the So she's looking for advice on on making a homebrew sour, but not like a just a kind of a solitary single note kettle sour, like some sort of note to kind of, uh, you know, combat the aging process that you need for like a true sour flavor. Right. Go ahead, gentlemen. So uh, first things first, in your grist all grain brewing, uh, make sure you're using raw wheat. Uh, that's a huge, like, high-protein content we use. For a lot of our sour beers, we do spelt. Um, it's a wheat, but it's it's a medieval wheat, so it sounds cool. But it's also very high in protein content. Um, but using lots of raw red wheat or white wheat will also increase that. Um, and with, as far as sour goes, as a home brewer, the biggest thing I can stress is buy a separate second of equipment don't mix your clean beer with your especially if you're using um pediococcus in anything that will lactobacillus is very uh hop intolerant so you could potentially get away with doing some lacto beers and still using some of your equipment don't recommend that um but especially if you're playing it all with pediococcus use a separate set of home brewing equipment unless you're going to be a sour home brewery then you're totally cool. Um, also, one big thing that we've found is obviously low, low IBUs. There's different um, different strains out there that will tolerate certain levels of IBUs and hops. When we do a lot of our sour beers, we shoot for between two and five IBU, uh, no more than five. And we've we you know lots of strains out there. They'll say if you're buying yeast commercially or homebrew pitches, yeah, it'll last for 10, 15, 12, 14 IBUs, whatever. Um, we just find the lower the IBU, the better. So aged hops, uh, French drizzle spalt is a huge like that's like two two alpha. So using like a half an ounce, uh, you know, in a late edition, we don't do any bittering additions, any sour beer that we do. Uh, we all throw in late kind of like almost that 15 minute or whirlpool edition that'll help um and also if you're going to start barrel aging beer as a home brewer a lot of these you know wild bacterias will actually um break down wood sugars too in the in in the oak of the barrel so you've got to look at that like with you know the longevity of how you're aging your beer and you're souring your beer so uh i guess the best advice is separate equipment um Low, low IBU 
uh, worked going into it and time and patience, especially if you're using uh, Pediococcus, a lot of things will come out ropey, uh, very like, you know, that like almost looks like snot coming out of a barrel. Um, and if you're using that kind of bacteria, make sure you're introducing Britannomyces. That'll help over time break things down, stabilize that beer. Um, and I guess that's the best advice I can give for right now. So. So spirals versus a, a smaller barrel. Spirals are great, to um, especially your, uh, if your you're doing flavor, carboys right? and like that's your you know primary thing that you have as a home brewer. Go glass. Don't age beer long term in plastic. Please, 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 please don't do that. Um, as far as wood barrels go, the tough thing as a home brewer, it's always the liquid to surface ratio. So like our wine barrels are 60 gallons. We have a lot less surface area to liquid, you know, ratio. Uh, so we can age beer longer. That's a bonus to what we do on a larger scale. I've done sours in five and ten gallon, fifteen gallon barrels as a home brewer. They're oaky as shit. They're really, really oaky. That's where blending comes in. So you can absolutely do a sour in that nature, but you have to be able to have a glass fermented or glass, you know, do something else and blend to create your final product. Don't just rely on that single barrel and be like, oh, we did the sour in five or ten, ga- you know, ten gallons. This is what we're going to do. It won't work out good. And it's it's not a quality product. It's, it's going to be way too oaky. So blend, 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 blend. Blend, 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 blend. All right, next question, huh? So he's asking about balancing what vanilla with with a fruit adjunct as well. Yeah, so, so how do you kind of get the most bang for your buck on your super super expensive vanilla bean? So to be 100% honest with uh, when I'm when I'm doing a lot of blends where I think that vanilla is going to be a supporting actor, I tend to go more towards a natural flavoring extract instead of using vanilla bean typically. Um, if I'm going to use it as a star of the show, I'm gonna I'm gonna use 100% vanilla bean. Uh, but I think to answer your question, uh, I would. I, I like to I like to uh, adjunct cold and carbed and ready packaged beer. Uh, is is if I could. I w- I've said it before. If I could uh, adjunct in the bottle or in the can, I would do that. I do it up until that point, cold, carbed, ready to be packaged beer. Uh, and and to me that delivers the best bang for my buck for every ingredient that I've ever used. So. I'm a big fan um, at looking how you want the final beer to be produced, right? Mm-hmm. So if it's going to bottle, I'm going to mix a fruit and a vanilla. I'm going to do like a I, – I, I've always used like whole vanilla or like a vanilla paste, something like that, of a vanilla 
not so much an extract, but like a uh, you know, like a pureed vanilla. Um, if it's going to a keg where we're going to have a festival or something, we're going to have fun, we're going to party, and it's going to be drank, I really like to use fresh vanilla, puree it down, or do like split beans and put it in the keg and have that even in the keg like that day of serving in like a stainless steel kind of strainer thing um, because that's the fresh flavor that I want coming forward of the day like that it's getting tapped for a package especially as a brewery when we think about bigger thing that's going out to a market and people are going to take this home um, that's got to go in secondary it's got to go in a fermentation stage right so we're going to use our fruit and we use a lot of fruit concentrate too it's all natural like concentrated like works awesome um helps with yield too on our fermenters uh as well as then we'll use still vanilla bean and we'll let that age out for you know usually two to two to four days in that fermenter um i think did i kind of answer that uh, yeah a little bit right The question was for your contamination going into keg, right, or a bottle. Um, bottle, you definitely have – there's always a fear of contamination in bottles, right? And it's going out to market and this and that. Um, so most of the vanilla that we put in as professional brewers are high adjunct stouts, right? Like high ABV things. I don't worry as much with our high ABV stuff because – a lot of alcohol in that. Not a lot of stuff going to grow Low pH, acrid. It is what it is. Uh, Most breweries don't have problems with that. If you're going to put vanilla beans in a blonde ale and bottle it and hope that it's great six months down the road, there's a chance you'll have a problem with that. Um, Kegs, day of... You know, vanilla, every, all these ingredients that you're more buying are used in cooking, and you're eating it. It's, it's a food product. It's processed by food plants. It's given to you for produced in cooking. I don't have a fear of sanitation of that going into a keg for a festival or whatever, and right. doing it the day before or day of or a couple days before, that's great because it's a, it, you're using food and food, right? Yep. Packaging another worry a little different story but but yeah i mean that's that's kind of exactly my mentality is exactly what he just said is is if it's going into a fest not to say i'm careless but i'm a little more sure we can get away with being a little bit a little bit crazier a little bit more fresh uh versus uh yeah it takes a while for beer to go bad right especially if it's cold if you're if you're doing it day or day of or a couple days before the, the, the event, of course that beer is not going to go bad, especially if it's cold. Um, one of the things I've done for packaged beer with vanilla is they were talking about pureeing. I think Brandon was talking about pureeing it with distilled water. I've actually pureed it with like uh, grain alcohol. So it's, it's essentially sterile at that point and added that directly to my barrel, my barrels and uh, then package from there. So, no, I, I would I would take no I would take I'd take a blender. I'd put grain alcohol in it, put uh, vanilla beans in it, puree it, and then 
Right, and then just dump it straight into a barrel. And it's sanitary because that's, it's grain alcohol. That's so. similar to the process that I would use too. Yeah. Unanimous. Unanimous. Well done, guys. All right, we got we got another question from uh, from the audience here. When Flat zombie shark reference, yeah. So I was at Bullpit not that like a few months ago. Absolutely love the pastry sours I had there. I see I follow Barrel Culture in North Carolina. They do care about pastry sours. So kind of following that thing with pastries. Thoughts on pastry being with that sour thing and if that's something you guys think like might be getting this way, something you guys might be doing. Yeah. So, so his question is based around. Uh, he's seen some trends. Uh, he's traveled a few places. Some of the bigger pulpit rock, right? Is that what you're talking about? In uh, barrel culture, they've been hitting with these uh, sour, sour pastries, basically. So, do you guys see that as a trend or something yeah, that maybe you want to get on board 100%, with? Yeah. Uh, we actually started a series at Moore called uh, Go Saw Dude. Uh, Go the dude. Go Saw Dude. Go Saw um, Dude. It's a uh, gosa, and we we heavily fruit it, similar to the sour or the fruited series. We dial back the fruit, a uh, little bit more emphasis on the actual uh, beer behind it, uh, the sour. Um, but yeah, heavily fruited, hundred percent. Yeah, uh, that that's just that's just a trend in the market is is sweeter beers, and you've we we've already seen this happening with uh, the stouts. We've already seen this happening with New England IPAs. We've already seen it now happening with with sours. So it's pretty much hit. Uh, hit the top three i mean those those are the top three beers that are are uh uh wanted throughout the united states that i've seen is is are those three fruited sours new england ipas and and pastry stouts yeah yeah so so you're yeah so so he's talking sorry joe he's talking about uh like spiced essentially or, or a little bit more seasoned versus just fruited uh, sours. And that's something that uh, a couple breweries here in the Midwest have already touched on. I know uh, Forbidden Roots doing stuff like that. Uh, that's something that I, I have in my back pocket. Right now I haven't ran through enough fruit uh, that's available to me. As soon as I have, I do feel like I've ran through all the options for fruit. Uh, I will get more, uh, not necessarily creative, but a little bit more outside the box and uh, you know, where where a fruited might become cocoa nibbed with some cinnamon and some blueberry to create a granola, or uh, you know the gosa would would end up inquiring uh, some spices of some sort. But yeah, it's a fun idea. It's a cool concept. I like it. Yeah, I agree with Sean. Uh, I think like something like a coconut sour could work. So it's kind of like you know, think kind of pina colada, like something. Sour like pineapple and then sweet like coconut. Uh, I think just like flavors that work well together. Um, sweet and sour, you know, is the first thing that comes to mind when I think of like a pastry sour, I suppose, uh, would be the things that I would try. So they're coming soon is what you want to tell me, man. You just say it. Just say it, they're guys. They're on the just horizon Break that news. Break that. that news. It's coming soon. Get us all excited. Why not? For sure. Well, I mean, the other the other thing that on the, along those lines is the Brute IPA, right? I mean, you had Hop Seco. Uh, you know, you, you have seen more of these Brute IPAs coming from the West Coast. And, 
making their way over here. Um, I won't take any time on that. I want to. We got a question here, so. All right, so uh, you guys heard it, but uh, for anybody who's listening in the crowd still, he, he just wants to know about cryo hop versus versus your run-of-the-mill pellet hop, I'm guessing. <laughs> I, I, mean, I haven't played with cryo. Is so it a yield is, uh, thing? I mean, is it more of a yield thing I than have, anything? I haven't used cryo, so. Oh, so you barked up the wrong tree. Everybody's <laughs> out of the so cryo game. We, uh, I actually just bought a box of cryo. There you go. Um, so we've done a little. I'll find uh, out soon, but I haven't used it yet. <laughs> We've done a little playing with cryo on a small, like, their pilot batch stuff. Um, we haven't been fully satisfied, like, with... So the cryo game is changing a little bit, too. The early cryo, they found out, you know, they made this new mixture. It's pulverized. It's all the resins. Um, but it tended to not, like, float through. So when a hot producer produces pellets, the way that they package a pellet and, like, they run it through the disc... They want it to go into a tank, break apart, kind of stratify, stratify, and fall out to the bottom. So this cryo pellet seemed like the greatest answer ever. Huge oil contents, it's awesome. When they threw it in, it just sat at the top and didn't mix through the tank. So they charged double the price because it was a, you know, twice the amount. More potent, of stuff, no, right? No. And it didn't do exactly what they wanted it to do unless you involved a pump and researched your whole tank and did this. As a home brewer, you're not doing that, right? So the new wave of cryo is starting to come out, and that's what suppliers are starting to send. And I don't think brewers have really had the chance to play a lot with that because we're still, you know, production timing and we're, we've got things scheduled. Um, so it's going to take a little bit for all that information to come out of how the new wave of cryo is starting to affect brewers. So nice, little well little said. more time. And, and Brandon here, he's got he's got some cryo on in the waiting in the wings. So we might we might see something from him soon. Uh, is that it for questions from everybody? Do you have a follow up, Brad? I <laughs> do. All right, one more question from the audience. Hot beers. We're talking hot beers, guys. Hot beers. That's the hot perfect, beers. perfect question to end this whole thing, right? Specifically, Valentina hot sauce or extra, <laughs> extra hot Valentina hot sauce. Well, chili, it's, it's chili lagers. stout, like a chili adjunct stout. So I've done uh, Vlad the Conquistador had. Uh, Chili peppers in it. Yeah, baby. Uh, yeah, it had uh, had chipotle, guajillo, uh, and uh, it was uh, it was subtle. Vlad's a second order, but as far as I was concerned, yeah. um, I like really spicy stuff. The microphone beer we just released today that we brewed up there had ghost pepper in it, and it's it's got a good amount of heat to it. Um, we were going for hot chicken and waffles, so it's it's hot. Um, Literally with hot chicken and waffles, too. Yeah. It's not like there wasn't actual hot chicken and waffles in it. It was actual hot chicken and waffles. Oh, there was, there was chicken and... Well, 
So, so one thing that we've really liked to use is the japonese chilies. I, I think I pronounced that right. Omar is here somewhere. I it saw sounded Omar. pretty sensual. When I always you said was it, like so. Japanese chilies. Is that like Japanese? Is that like Japanese chilies? They're a little more smoky and they provide a heat. They're not like a ha- jalapeno. I hate jalapeno beers. Like anyone that gives me a habanero jalapeno beer, I usually kind of set it aside. <laughs> I, I can't drink that. Um, the Japanese chilies. Are this really nice, like, like slow lingering heat beer? We've done them in stouts and porters. They're really, really nice. Which, which, uh, which beers have you done that are that? Uh, we've done Sleepy as well as uh, I think we did a Sludge variant uh, once, um, which is another one of our so Sludge stouts. and Sleepy have both had jalapeno, yeah, or, or not jalapeno, but pepper. We've done a few uh, different beers that. It's pepper a, beers. It's a small pour Hot beers. type beer. Nobody wants to drink. Uh, I love spicy food, right? But you don't want to drink like a hot, hot, hot beer. We have some. Uh, beers are refreshing uh, drink, right? That's why we enjoy beer. Where it's good to enjoy. Um, so, in moderation, it's great. Yeah. I like if I if I'm ever dealing with peppers, I like to char them. Uh, I think that brings out some of the oils and the flavor of the of the skin and, and stuff. You don't get as much vegetal character. You get more of the uh, cooked pepper. How, how we're used to eating peppers. Typically, you don't bite into an Anaheim pepper raw. You cook it. You eat it with something. So it, it brings out some of those flavors. I like cooking peppers, especially charring them over open flame is, is how I like to deal with them. I haven't done a lot. In my professional career as a home brewer, I used to love making them. I'd always have that as a, uh, a contrast to an Oktoberfest party that I had every year for four or five years. Uh, we would always have a, a pepper beer on a, at one time, and I like Serrano and Anaheim peppers, charred, uh, diced real small, aged for a fairly short amount of time, one, or one maybe two days. Uh, just to add a little bit of heat, um, but as a contrast to a multi beer on the side. All right. Well, thank thanks. You. Thank you guys for having questions and stuff from the audience. So now we have some emailed in questions as well. So we're going to try to cover those. You guys enjoy yourselves, talk amongst yourselves, drink the beer at the bar, all that. We're recording this anyway for a follow up podcast. You can download it audio style. So we want to cover some of the emailed in questions. So this one specifically, uh, I'll start with the one for Brandon Banbury here. Uh, so, Brent, it's, this, this is literally the, the wording of the question Banbury is releasing Neapolitan Vlad in 10 days. Are all the adjuncts added post-barrel aging, and what techniques accomplish the, f- the flavor profile with uh, the strawberries pureed, fresh, frozen, or juiced? Uh, yes. The, so can you do this for three and a half minutes so I can pee? <laughs> you can do it. I have faith in you. I won't do it for three and a half minutes. I'm out of here. But, uh, um, yeah, so for the, the Neapolitan Vlad, we're, uh, we're adding uh, about a, a gallon per barrel of uh, strawberry juice concentrate, so... Uh, essentially just strawberry juice that's been the the water has been evaporated it's uh, about 65 bricks so if you threw that on your hydrometer you probably wouldn't even see it um, so basically a crap ton of strawberry juice a uh, bunch of vanilla beans which uh, like I mentioned before just uh, puree them in Everclear or grain alcohol and uh, throw them right into the barrel. And then for the chocolate part of the, the Neapolitan, we're just 
throwing a bunch of uh, cocoa nibs in there and uh, right into a nylon bag, let them sit in the uh, the bright tank. Uh, typically, when we rack a uh, barrel-aged beer, uh, we're going to rack this beer tomorrow into the bright tank. Uh, it'll sit until Monday before we package it, so we'll throw the cocoa nibs in a nylon bag right into the bright tank, and it'll sit on those cocoa nibs throughout the weekend, so Thursday, Friday, Saturday, eh, about five days. Have you guys uh, played around at all with Chalaca versus cacao nibs? I have used Chalaca, and uh, I did not like it. Really? What, yeah. what didn't you like? I thought it thinned the beer out. Really? So the I've, I I played with Chalaca once. They sent me a sample, uh, but by then, uh, but by then, uh, uh, I had already found what had worked for me, and I like using uh, cocoa nibs. So so at that point in time, I was just like, I'm over it. I I'm not gonna fix what ain't broken. Um, and I and I stuck with my nibs. I thought it was a decent product, but I could see definitely how it would thin the product out. I don't. I'm not a fan of making tinctures and stuff like that. I I like to use the beer as uh, the receiving vessel of whatever flavor I'm getting. The amount the amount of chalaca that I had to add to the to the beer to get the flavor I was looking for. It was, it just thinned the beer out. Um, like it was still a great tasting beer, but the body I thought sucked, unfortunately. And right. it was a great beer, but it was just kind of thin. Uh, what do we do? Yeah. What I do we to, do? I had to pee, bro. I what had do to we pee. do? I don't know what to do. We've been sitting here for a long time. Oh, okay. Well, not as, not as long as the Moore episode. There was a whole side <laughs> three hours and ten minutes. Buckle in, everyone. You guys you can got at least That's another fine. hour. That's fine. No, I'm, I'm in, man. I'm ready to go. I just peed. I had a hot, fresh hot beers. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Uh, so we got that that one out of the way. Hold on. We got some we got some questions specifically for people. Uh, now we already really answered that one. So what, somebody wanted to know the best way to impart marshmallow. Uh, understanding by adding a lot of vanilla, but but could marshmallow extracts work and not give up an extract flavor? Um, if yes, what would you guys use? Vanilla, vanilla, vanilla. You want? You hear that? I know. Oh. Half roast your own roast marshmallows. marshmallows. <laughs> 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 yeah. I mean, Brando's like, I am a proponent of roasting marsh- marshmallows. Are nothing but sugar and vanilla. So, <laughs> um. so, so just save yourself a whole lot of headache and uh, and find I, the best stick you can in the woods and roast away. Bro. Roast the shit out of. <laughs> find a uh, Home Depot fire pit and just. <laughs> FYI, I'm not opposed to that. It was a Menard's fire pit. That sounds like a great idea, though. Yeah, that's right. Save big money. All right, so we got a we got a specific hailstorm question here. Uh, This is a really these are really long questions. I think the guy who submitted these might be here. Uh, maybe he's gone. He's uh he's doing fifty two. He's a home brewer. He's doing fifty two brews in fifty two weeks. Um, he's kind of tracking himself. Uh, Forge fifty two. I think is the. Where's he at? Forge fifty two. Oh, where'd he go? He's wearing a red polo. Um, anyways, first off, thank you, Brandon, for offering free pizza on Fridays during the first weeks of Hailstorm opening. Fast forward to the awards and highly anticipated upcoming Vlad Neapolitan release. Can you talk to your favorite part of the evolution? So talk a little bit about the evolution. I mean, you guys have been open for what? The better part of five years now? Four years? I mean, uh, Yeah, about four, little over four years. So like, talk about that little time and opening until where you're at now when you have giant... 
that's me. Bottle shares erupting in your in your Vlad lines. So yeah, I guess I mean, it was really cool to kind of open the doors and kind of actually be able to sell my beer to folks. And you know, we opened with five beers on draft, and I was like, this is amazing! Like, holy crap, I'm selling all this beer. And then you know, fast forward four years and got 16 beers on draft. We're selling couple thousand barrels a year and uh, sending beer all over the country for various fests, GABF and um, Great Taste of the Midwest up to Madison and doing a couple small side fests. Um, Anyway, it's really cool. Um, (laughs) (laughs) All right. Yeah. You know, people people are interested where where it came from, I guess, huh? So, Sean, we got we got one for you too. I know yes. your your boys are all walking out on us. I don't know what. I'm just opening up some be beers cool. for. The should, crowd. should we? Let's make an announcement. Is this earlier. the first one that's being opened right now? Open them all. Is anyone open yet? Open them all. All right. Anybody who's sitting here, He's are you listening? His. There will be some uh, henna being poured out. Yeah. Henna. If anybody's heard of it, it's being poured out. Our our boy John's popping open some bottles of henna right now. So, come hither. All right, so Sean, while while your boys uh, getting getting John excitement. John is gonna pour them for everyone, so have fun, John. Nah, this is a very fitting. <laughs> this is a very fitting. <laughs> He's gonna pour us each a pint first. Con- congrats on your success, Sean, and Thank having you. henna be one of the Midwest highly sought after beers. One of our favorite parts is the spiritual and ritual symbol of the mandala yes. used on the logo. Uh-huh. Can you talk to your use of sigils and symbols within your henna adjunct releases? Uh, what you so know the, about them sigils, son? So the symbolism of the of the henna actually just came from tying in the. Wait, can you hold on a second? If you're gonna wait in line for henna, you have to be quiet though, because sh- Sean is sh- talking. Sh- I'm, sh- I'm kidding. I'm actually kidding. But oh, go I ahead, he was Sean. Being serious, so I was yeah. He's talking about the sigils that he uses on the labeling for for henna. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not gonna stand. I'm not gonna sit up here and pretend like I I know a whole ton about it. Uh, I'd, I'd just be lying to everyone and look stupid. Um, it it's a. Uh, it was basically my way of giving respect to uh, the two owners of Moore, uh, Sonny and Perry, uh, giving them some recognition for their uh, their heritage, um, and that was that, that's really all that came from. We were looking for a, a name that I, I liked. I came up with uh, uh, henna. I was familiar with that as an art form. That's where that's all that came from. It was there, and I, I, I it wasn't overthought. It was it wasn't crazy. You don't want to pretend like you're like the fucking Dalai Lama. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. Like, I'm not Sonny, Sonny and Perry were some of our original customers yeah. uh, from Hailstorm years ago. Uh, they're two of the greatest guys. Um, they really love beer. They have two great liquor stores. They opened more. They hired Sean, which was an excellent fucking decision. <laughs> and uh, they're just really killing it now. So. They're the kind of guy that every really time you see them, they just guys. want to walk up and give you a big hug. Yeah, I just want to hug great guy. Every time I go into more, they're just like more than happy to like give me beer and food. And just more Can I try one happy. of the newer releases? I, I haven't exactly. had any of them. So. I'm sorry, folks, for not bringing that much. I didn't realize there was going to be so many people. Get it to people who need it. Um, I, okay, so Brando. Brando, I got, I got one for you, which I enjoyed. 
Um, I had a couple a couple of questions came in on correlations between things that you've said in the past about uh, uh, playing Grateful Dead for the barrels as they rest. <laughs> but but this one is specific. I'll go, I'll go full word for word. Brandon, can you talk about any correlation to your Bear Variants series with the influence of the Grateful Dead? <laughs> Get on that mic and talk about it. Uh, I actually don't know that there's any like co- co- correlation between the bears and the Grateful Dead. Um, so I'm a deadhead. Uh, Amanda and I were deadheads. Mabel too, deadhead. Mabel's deadhead. Mabel's balling in deadheadedness. She's eight and a half months into deadhead. Uh, you know. Um, so, you know, uh, we released a beer, Cassidy, uh, about. A year ago, eight months ago, that was a deadhead kind of correlation to beer. Um, there's really not a deadhead correlation to Sleepy Bear, other than so Sleepy Bear, where the original name came from. Um, so in college, there's always that guy that passed out on your couch for right? sure, hundred percent. The one guy, your, your best friends, you know, like partying. Sean Burns, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah same shit. Passes out passes on your out couch. wherever he wants. No? And then in the morning, you poke him. You're like, hey, dude, get up. And it's that moment of Sleepy Bear where the guy kind of claws and reaches over and it's just like, what, what happened? Where am I? I'm not uh, you know, at home. That's a Sleepy Bear. That's 100%. where the name came from. <laughs> It's a sleepy bear. That's it. Okay, so the other question that came in was also somewhat in that vein. Uh, I, I mentioned that somebody had re- recalled you talking about uh, the Grateful Dead and uh, and letting the barrels rest to that music. So for Sean and Brandon at, at Hailstorm, like, do you guys do you guys are both involved in music? I take it a little bit. I know Hailstorm is really big with music. But do you have any music you like to play for your barrels while they're resting? For me, no, man. They sit in the garage. It's nice and quiet. It's peaceful. It's true. It gets gets a hundred degrees in the in the summer. No, it doesn't get that hot. It probably gets about a, you know, close to eighty, and then down to mid forties in the winter. No, yeah, no. For us, uh, they basically listen to whatever listen. we're listening to. <laughs> what What are you and Steve jamming to most of the time these days? Well, today we were listening to like uh, I don't know some like old school rap. Okay, like what's old school rap for you guys? Like Run DMC or like you're talking about like Artifacts, Cannabis, like yeah, Doctor Dre, some Dre, okay, Snoop Dogg, Cypress Hill, Cypress Hill, Cypress Hill, ICP. <laughs> God, I hope not. But Fuck that's man. all right. Whatever, whatever. To each their own. All right, no you guys want to go? You guys want to go There's mingle? So you guys want to go mingle Elster? with the people drinking your beers right now? Um, Let's let's end by saying I want to say thank you to you guys for doing this. Thank you to Amanda for having the brainchild to, to make this happen. Her and Maves the babes you, are Brando. hanging out right now. You the man. Josh, do you want me to give Amanda you a hug or something right now? Brando really is the man. Oh, I will. I have to I'll say. check him. What's that? Say it again. Sorry, Brando Sean. is the man. Brando <laughs> is. is the mando. He's fucking awesome. I love him. Uh, thank you, Joe. All right, so uh, Brando, you got a long mic. Pull yours off the pull yours off the off the jib there. You can just yank it off there and stand up. For anyone who can't hear us right now, I would thank all of you guys for coming out. Thank everybody for sitting down and listening. Thank there. you. We appreciate the shit out of this. So we got Brandon Banbury, a hailstorm, Sean Moore. More brewing, Sean Burns, and we got Brando and Amanda who put this whole thing together. So thank you guys. You know, Chicago Brewers. I mean, where else would you guys get your Brewers supplies? 
Amazing. Anything you want to say before we call it a night? No, thanks everybody for coming out. Uh, thank you a lot for Amanda for putting this all on and organizing it. And babe the Babe. Made the Babe did here. most of the work. So, uh, Slay some hogs. We really appreciate it. And hot and beers. Guys. Hot beers for life. Yeah. Hot beers. Uh, Sean and Brandon. <laughs> all right, hot cheers, guys. Let's, let's hang out and have some drinks. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, everyone.